0: actually called Death and Taxes. You would never like, guess that this song is called Death and Taxes. Would you ask? Nope. <laughs> yeah, so was Death and Taxes by uh, Sam Marks. I'll make you tag right. up on social media when we're supposed to be So, all right, guys. There we go, there we go, there we go. All right. Perfect, perfect, perfect. So we took a week off, you know, no big deal. You know, I had a baby, so you know, I figured we'd take a week off. So thank you for that. Yes. Yes, he came in at eight pounds, eight ounces. His name is Sylvan. He's the first boy in the family. He's going to be carry on the McGlory name. Otherwise, my daughter would have to become a nun and never get married. Or she would hyphen her name. You know, whichever she wanted to do, I was totally okay with that so. <laughs> Alright, perfect So, if you've never came to the show before Today, it's episode 15 of Real Talk With Coach Q and
1: Broker West
0: Yes, 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 y'all Now, before we get started with the show We're going to do a quick introduction so we'll let you know who we are and what we do And why are we talking to you guys And why do we have this platform to actually speak on. So I'll do first introduction. My name is Pierre McGlory. I am a realtor. I get to help people buy, sell, and invest in real estate. And I'm also a coach, where I get the opportunity to coach people to help them from I don't know what I'm doing into the real estate business to Oh my gosh, Pierre, I just closed my first transaction. i never made this kind of money. To Hey, Pierre, that one commission check's good. I want to get two, three, four, 10, a hundred more. Right, so I get to help people on that level, and it's pretty freaking amazing. Now I'm gonna let West share and explain what he does. So, Broker West, drop it, drop it, let people know what you do.
1: All right, it's West West, y'all. Uh, my name is Wes Oliver. You can call me Broker West, and I am the co-host of the show. And you can call me the Mortgage Wizard, the Money Man, the Bringer of Rain, the Breaker of Financial Chains. And I'm a licensed mortgage broker and home loan consultant. And my passion is really assisting families and individuals understand all things when it comes to their finances for health and wealth when it comes to purchasing a home. So in other words, I'm here to finance your dreams and to educate you on how to create those dreams.
0: That's great. I mean, who wouldn't want to work with a person that's going to help fund their dreams? is going to be able to guide them to their dreams. I mean, that's amazing. I love that. I love that. That's a great, great introduction there, Brooke for Wes. I got to work on my introduction because I was smooth. I was smooth, smooth operator. <clears throat> All right. So the next part of the show, we like to talk about success tips, uh, leadership tips. These are going to help you become better because Wes and I are true believers on reading books, listening to audio books, you know, uh, relaying messages, affirmations, things of that sort, because we know how it's been able to help us, not just in our business lives, but also in our personal lives as well. So today I'd like to share with you a message from one of my mentors, John Maxwell, and he's talking about the philosophy of being a lifter. Now I'm not talking about a weight lifter, you know, I know we just passed the Olympics and there are some weight lifters, but hey, if that's your theme, you want to be a weight lifter, then hey, I'm all for you. 2024, right? 2024. But as I was saying, when it comes to lifting, being a lifter, you're uplifting others. Whether you are in a leadership position where you may have people that, that work for you, you're uplifting them. You're providing them with positivity. You're encouraging them. You're letting them know that they're doing a great job. You know, Or also just in your personal life, when you're talking to people and people may have had a bad day, you know, instead of you, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, I totally feel that way, too. Yeah, yeah. We're, the world does suck, huh? Instead of having that type of pessimistic attitude, it's more of, hey, you know what? Tomorrow's going to be a better day. You know, look at the bright side, right? At least you got a car. You know what I mean? Like, whatever right. the situation yeah. is, right? Just bring people up. Because what we notice is that as you're a person and you're bringing people up, and you start to lift yourself as well. You know, and I'm a true believer in how the universe rewards you. You know, you put in the work, the universe will reward your hard work. You're putting positivity out there in the world. The universe will return that and, 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 and give you that positivity as well. So, so so the motto is be a lifter. And like I said, if you want to be a weight lifter, it's totally cool. But in life also, just be a lifter and uplift others. So that's the message.
1: Now, Wes, what would you like to add to being leader? Yeah, I would just say that uh, when you're in a position of leadership, you always want to be encouraging those around you because they really need it. And it means a lot coming from you because you are in a position of leadership. Mm-hmm. So we know that, especially in the world of sales, it's very demanding, very challenging. You have your good days, you have your bad days, peaks and valleys. And the right amount of encouragement, or the right type of encouragement, coming from someone in, in a leadership position or a mentor position, carries you through those difficult times. So you always want to be trying to encourage, uplift people, give people you know something, you know that makes them feel good. Um, I'm reminded of something that uh, Maya Angelou said, the great Maya Angelou, and she said. You know, you'll forget what I believe it's loosely translated. She said, you know, you'll forget what people say to you. You might forget what people do, but you'll never forget how people make you feel. Ain't that the
0: truth? Yeah, I love that. Love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Now we move on to our next section of the show, main event. What we're talking about is nature versus nurture. And going more deep on that is more of uh, financial uh, circumstance or financial responsibilities, you know, things that you might have been taught as when you're younger or things that you weren't really taught and you just, and you just kind of moved into the flow of what you thought was something normal that what people do, right. As opposed to being taught other things. So Wes is going to talk a little more about that nature versus nurture and how it relates to our business and also life.
1: Yeah, so, you know, what inspired this conversation was a conversation that, would, that takes place with a lot of people, especially in regards to home ownership, who can buy a home, how do they get there? And a lot of times we believe that how you end up being able to purchase a home is purely based on your financial cir- circumstances, however they happen. So if you have parents that can lend you money, or provide you with a gift for your home, you know, if you happen to have a great job that pays well, things like that. And those are factors and those are important, but I will say this, one of the key components that I think a lot of people miss is with their own habits, you know, the, the, their own habits, how they impact their ability to buy a home. And unfortunately, a lot of people have habits that that, uh, act as a deterrent to them being able to qualify for the home they want because they don't know any better. And that's one of the reasons why our show exists, because we want to help people simplify and educate people on the things that they could be doing in order to improve their overall financial situation and put themselves in a better position for homeownership. And I can tell you, as someone who spends a lot of time pouring through people's finances, you have no idea how often just bad financial habits negatively impact the ability of that person to be able to purchase a home or be able to purchase the home they they want. And by the way, it's not just people who don't make a lot of money. A lot of times you have people who make good money that have poor financial habits that don't understand how different things impact, you know, their credit or how different things impact their overall financial picture and their ability to qualify for a home. So we are all limited in some way, you know, as we talk about the three main things that it takes to buy a home. So you have your income, you have your assets, and then of course you have your credit. So yes, we're all limited, right? No one has infinite amounts of money unless Jeff Bezos is watching, you have unlimited amounts of money, sir. <laughs> but you know, most of us are limited as far as like what we have available for down payment. We're also gonna be limited ultimately at some point by how much we earn or what, how much usable income we have for qualifying. But your habits can help you improve a lot of those situations. And if you have bad, bad financial habits, your income's not going to be enough to overcome it. I've dealt with doctors who have credit scores below 600 simply because, you know, not paying attention to their credit or things they do to overload their credit, what have you. You know, I've had very successful people that I had to help get to a better place financially and overcome their financial habits. So keep watching, pay attention, And hopefully you're learning and you're applying this stuff to your own financial habits because you can get further by having great financial habits than you can just having a great set of circumstances with no financial responsibility.
0: That person must have, like, everything, right? Like, you know, you see this person, and they're like, wow, this person, you know, has this great career. This person came from this great family. They must have everything. They must know everything, right? Financial problems, please. These people don't deal with that. They make six figures, right? But like you said, I mean, it doesn't matter where you are financially in terms of your career and your family of bringing things of that nature. Will you still if you don't have the financial intelligence, you know, you're still going to be missing out on opportunities or worse, you'll be putting yourself in a financial detriment. You know, and this is something that Wes and I see like we have clients that, that make very great amount of money, you know, but when you look at their, their debt to income ratios, you know, their expenses and so forth, it's like they're they're barely squeezing by each month. They're 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 pretty much like living paycheck to paycheck, and you will never guess that when you see a person making almost half, half a million dollars, right? And you, and you, and you see that, so you know financial intelligence doesn't, it's not a, um, it's not a privilege, you know, it's it's a it's a right. Anyone could get that financial intelligence. You're not born with it. You know what I mean? So yeah, so definitely great point, West. Thank you for for sharing that. And also, guys, like Wes said. Continue to watch. You know, if you guys have questions out there, please feel free to reach out to myself or reach out to us. I mean, because this is what we do on a regular basis. We help people. We help people go from not qualifying to their daycare ratio, not being where it needs to be, to getting on an established plan, you know, getting their credit score better. And all of a sudden, now they became homeowners. So it can be done. It's just where you're getting that, that education and information support. All right. Now, we move on to, uh, topic. Uh, topic. all right, so we're going to use an Olympic uh, uh, <laughs> an experience, uh, uh, dropping the baton, you know, being ready to run with it, right, and we're using that uh, metaphor or that example to, you know, how you should be running your business, how you should run your team. Right. And Wes is going to talk a little more about that. So Wes, dropping the baton and being rage from run with it. Let's 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 explore that.
1: Yeah. So obviously this we just had the Olympics. And if you do not know, you know, the uh, United States men's four by 100 relay. They did not even make the finals for that relay. Unfortunately, when they ran in one of the semis, their ability to pass the baton was not crisp. It was not good. It was not a good handoff. And you basically had two sprinters that were at the same level. You know, you never want that when you're doing a relay, you know, you're supposed to take off, be able to put your arm back, grab the baton and just take off and run. And so I'm thinking about that. It's like, number one, you have to be prepared. And number two, you have to work as a team. And that's the same exact thing when we talk about being in the process of purchasing a home, being an escrow. There are many different people who have to take different legs of the process and make sure they do their job, do it well, and do it on time. As I always say, your transaction is only as fast as the slowest person involved, And that's why, yeah, and that's why we talk about so often that, you know, you want to make sure that obviously you control what you control. So if you're the person buying the home, you do want to work with a great agent. You do also want to work with a great loan officer. That's a good start. That is a good start. Unfortunately, there are other parts of the process or other people involved in the process that you have no control over that. Hopefully, they're doing their job and they're good at what they do as well. So you need the listing agent to be doing their job. You need the uh, you need the escrow agent to be doing their job. You need the title person to be doing their job, and we all have to kind of work together to make sure that you cross the finish line in time and you close escrow on time. Part of the job of someone like me and Kier, as representing the buyer is to make sure that we're keeping everybody else in lockstep and in line and making sure they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. And I can tell you, sometimes that's not the case. There are often times where I have to micromanage, babysit, massage, do whatever we have to do to make sure we're getting what we need in order to complete the process. So just keep that in mind. But if you start off with, By picking poorly on your end, man, that could get really ugly, really fast. So just imagine you pick an agent that's not great at what they do. And you pick a loan officer that's not great at what they do. And then you get an escrow with a listing agent who's not great at what they do. And because they're not great at what they do, they choose escrow and title people who also are not great at what they do that could get ugly really fast. And unfortunately, you as the buyer, you are in the position to lose the most out of everybody in that particular situation. The seller still has a home to sell and if it doesn't work out, they'll sell it to someone else. The listing agent will still be the listing agent. They'll collect the commission off of that. The title and escrow people, when the listing agent sells it to the ultimate buyer, they'll still make their money. Your agent, more than likely, if you don't fire them, will still make their money eventually because you'll buy a home, but it will cost you money and it will cost you time. And once, you know, me and Kier just dealt with a particular situation where the loan officer that started the process made one key error, was asleep at the wheel, made one key error, and it delayed us closing by 30 days. And we'll talk about that at some point on the West Files, but I digress. The important thing is that you start off by picking the right people to represent you because ultimately it's a team and no one person is in charge of each part of the process. It does get handed off to different people, and we all need to make sure we're on the same accord. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Because I'm a (laughs) perfectionist. You know what I mean? Like, for me, for me, the most difficult part of a transaction is when I'm out of it. You know what I mean? When it, when I have nothing, but I can't do anything to expect the process or help me do it, that's, like, the hardest part for me. So, so when that time comes, I got to really mentally check out and, like, work on another client, work on another listing, work on another escrow, work on another opportunity. And I'm not the only one. I'd probably say probably what, over 80% of other realtors are that, are that way. And the problem is, some realtors, what they'll do, they'll stop everything. They will stop everything. Wes knows this. He, he, he has other realtor partners. They will stop everything. And they will call Wes. They will call escrow. They will call title, And they will check in, like, every day. You know, instead of, right. you know what? We got this part, Or you know what? There's really nothing you can do at this part, you know what I mean. So Mm -hmm. what you can do at this point is go out for the for that another opportunity, because there's really there's nothing that you can do. So like I said, it's hard for me, and I got to mentally think about that at this point, like because I have another escrow that'll be closing next week, and at this point, there's nothing I need to do on it, right? So for me, it's like okay, I'm not going to be on it on the spot, like checking it like every day, because I don't need to do that at this point. Now I got to work another other listings, another opportunity, right? Because that's the key to success. That's the key to having a real business. You know, you can't you can't stop it. That's like that's like you being at like a uh, like at a restaurant or yeah, it's a restaurant, right? And you got orders coming in, and all of a sudden this one order comes in and you stop everything, you stop production, and all the chefs, all the all the sous chefs, all the cooks, whatever. They all stop and they're all working on this one meal. They're all working on this one plate. What's gonna to happen to the rest of your business? It's gonna stop. Your, your customers aren't gonna be there because you're not serving them. You're spending all of your time and energy on this one plate. Same thing with our business. If we spend all our time and energy on this one person, we're gonna miss out on another opportunity. We're gonna be miss out on other customers, right? So the thing is, you know, like Wes was saying, like we can't all do the same thing in a a relay, right? In a relay, it's four people. It's not one person running with that relay stick the whole time, right? He or she has to pass it off to somebody else. And you have to have that trust with that person that you're passing it off of too, which is very important. Like Wes was saying, choose your partners wisely. Choose your partners wisely. All right now we move on to the next section of the show jobs report so we're talking about the jobs report also we're talk about a very hot button issue that's been on everybody's mind the, the rent moratorium How that's going to go when that's going to end what's been going on and i'm gonna let west expound on that more so west wherever you want to start you want to start with the rents the jobs the market Wherever you want to start, the floor is yours, sir. The floor is yours.
1: Yeah, and real quick, so this is our market update section.
0: <laughs> market update, jobs report, economic report, what I eat, dinner uh, report. Yeah, it's all those above.
1: <laughs> okay, so why don't we start with a simple one? Uh, let's start with a jobless claim. So jobless claims uh, for the last month fell for a third straight week. So it seems like the economy is getting back going. Uh, It's been, it's at the lowest level since mid March last year when we were in the thick of the pandemic and um, the national extended benefits for unemployment in next month. So again, we're starting to ramp up, trying to get things back to normal. Uh, Hopefully the Delta variant, you know, doesn't get too crazy and it doesn't derail that. But, Right now, it looks good because, like I said, there's less people claiming unemployment and, you know, people are getting back to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's always, it's always good. I mean, I mean, it's great. Like you said, the numbers are what we saw in March of last year. You know, that's the pandemic. And if you think about it, we still had a large amount of people still employed during that time. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't really see the drop until a few months after when companies started to... Um, lay off people and so forth, right? Right. And I remember uh, we, we actually had an escrow uh, that we were uh, in that time frame. Uh, we actually were working with buyers at that time frame. And unfortunately, you know, the wife uh, actually, you know, lost her job due to COVID, you mm-hmm. know, due, due, to, due to that. And, you know, luckily Wes was able to work his Magic. You know what I mean? And he was able to, to save them and, you know, was able to get them into their, their first house. So it was great. I mean, that'd I mean, be obviously, great conclusion, of course. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's also great with seeing the the numbers dropping down. So I mean, that's
1: always that's always a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll just say, I you know, no matter what side of the fence you fall on, whether you are vaccinated, not vaccinated, whether you're wearing a mask, not wearing a mask, I think we all have the same goal, which is to get back to normal and have everything up and running and as many people as working and uh as possible and having uh having a return to as normal a normal life as close as we can get there or or pre-pandemic life
0: I love I love that Wes I mean that's such a that's such a politician answer I love that
1: (laughs) it's true (laughs) okay so moving on so we have the rent moratorium so Last time we spoke to you guys, we were telling you that the moratorium was going to end, and it did, the clock did run out until Cori Bush, rep from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, decided to uh, basically camp out on the steps of the Capitol. She had a few other reps, notably from the squad, join her, and ultimately the CDC stepped in to extend the rent moratorium to September 30th of this year. Now, that being said, property owners are already putting that case in the courts. And there's a significant belief that if it does make its way in front of the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court is going to strike down that ruling from the CDC. So we'll have to watch that closely. Uh, That being said, you know, you still have a number of people who are Back due or past due on their rent. This is an interesting number. Just in LA County, there's three billion in back rents. Just in LA County, three billion with a B. Back rent.
0: In LA yeah. County? Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know it's it's a tenuous situation because of course you know you don't want a bunch of people thrown out on the streets and homeless. But you also do have the, the uh, property owners who are falling behind in their responsibilities because they don't have that income coming in. Like I read, uh, part of the interesting, uh, interesting part of the story is that 28% of the property owners are past due on their maintenance of the property, wow. you know, just because of missing income from the renter. So you do have that side of it as well. And then another thing that's interesting is that even though there was I think it was 25 billion that was put into place with one of the bills to, to aid renters, only 12% of that 25 billion has made its way into the hands of renters so far tell so with that process. And depending on who you ask, that 25 billion was not enough anyway needed to be closer to, depending on who you ask, $52, to 75000000000 So So there, there's all that brewing. And one of the suggestions that somebody put out there was maybe like a 10-year loan to pay back rent. But I don't know how that's going to work or if it can work because if you can't afford to pay rent now, and unfortunately, a lot of people are just... Basically, covering their expenses on a month to month basis, where are you going to find the extra money to pay on a loan for rent that you haven't paid yet? Well, so,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's like, um, what's that expression? It's like putting a band aid on a wound. It's like putting
1: a band aid on a gunshot wound. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, it's
0: just going to be bloody. It's still not going to help. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Hmm. Well, I mean, hopefully that funding, you know, gets to where it needs to get to, like twelve percent of the reach. You
1: know what yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Because like I said, it's it, it's rough for, for both sides of the equation. And uh, like I said, we obviously don't want to see a number of, you know, a number of people added to the homeless number. And so that's why I said we have to kind of keep an eye out on it and see what happens with the current moratorium and by the way the moratorium is in itself is a band-aid you know because eventually even if it doesn't get overturned in the supreme court september 30th will be here before you know it
0: well i mean it's already
1: right so then what happens right you know what happens then what's next you know so it's interesting, but uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye on it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. absolutely. All right, all right, all right, all right. Now we move on to cities for life. Cities for life. All right. <laughs> hey, if I'm not keeping you laughing, I'm not doing my job. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, today we'd like to talk to uh, talk about the city of La Palma, or La Palm. Uh. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to give you some facts, and then Wes is going to talk about some fun stuff you can do with La Palma, because we switched up. He's such the numbers guy, and I'm totally mad. So I'm like, you know what, one of the parts of the show, I'll do some of the numbers, and then you can do the fun stuff. So he definitely supported this part. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you one cool, fun fun fact. But he'll give you all the cool cool ones. So La Palma was actually established in 1955. And at that time, it was actually called Dairyland. And the reason why it was called Dairyland is because there was 18 dairies in Dairyland. And then once those dairies left, then that's when the city went from Dairyland to La Palma. And this was, like I said, it was established in 1955. Just imagine, Wes, 18 dairies in less than a two-mile radius. That's that's wild. I can't imagine how it would smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. So, according to La Palma's uh, real estate market at this time, there's 14 active homes available for sale in La Palma. Uh, average days on market are uh, 33 days, meaning that when a market when a home comes on the market, it takes about 33 days before it actually goes into what's called escrow, right? Uh, average price per home in the city of La Palma is about $829,000. And then uh, average income in the city of La Palma is about $105,000. Now I'm going to let Wes share some fun things you can do in the city of La Palma. So West, show them the good stuff.
1: Okay, so they have an Arbor Day celebration. They have concerts in the park, They have the Central Park Cinema, which is, of course, just uh, movies in the park. This is really interesting. I like this. They have a Home Spotlight Award that they hand out every year. And people get to vote on it and nominate people and vote on it. And it's an award given to the person that best maintains or improves their property. So as a property owner, you're always concerned about Your property value and maintaining property value. And that's a good thing to be in a city that rewards people for doing just that. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: I like that. Yeah. They also have a tree lighting ceremony for Christmas, they have a Memorial Day ceremony. In addition to that, they have a Halloween carnival, they have a Festival of Nations, which is kind of like a parade, you know, celebrating all the different cultures. For uh, 4th of July, they have a run for fun race, which is 5K, 10K. You can walk or run, whichever you choose to do. And here's what's interesting. You have like five different school districts going on, depending on where you are. So you have Anaheim Union, Buena Park, Centralia, Cypress, and Fullerton Joint Union High School District, depending on where you are.
0: Centralia? Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, C- Centralia. All the other ones, like cities that like we know, but Centralia? like where did Centralia come from? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. Five different school districts, and like you yep. said, La Palma's not that, that big. Or yeah, have five different school districts. That's that's wild.
1: Yep. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I guess being, I mean, being La Palma, though, I mean, you have school choices. That's for darn sure, right? Five different school districts. <laughs> yeah,
1: just depending on where you choose to uh purchase. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: awesome man. Anything else you want to any things want to share about the Palma? No,
1: that's basically it. I mean, I think that's uh they have a lot going on, so
0: <laughs> absolutely. And that house thing, I wonder is that like one house per like area or is that like one house whole city? Because that's that can be super competitive, man. <laughs> yeah that. when
1: i looked at it on the website it uh, they had the winner for last year and it was just one person so i'm guessing it's just one for the city okay
0: nice man all right let's give it yeah. for la palma and if you guys have any questions about the city of la palma please feel free to reach out to myself or west we'd be more than happy to help you in the city of la palma whether you're looking to buy sell or invest. So one more time, let's give it a four the All right. Now we come to one of my favorite segments of the show, the West. All right, Wes, drop, a, drop it on us today.
1: Yeah, so as always, yeah, I'm sorry. So as always, this is the part of the show where I try to take some of my personal experiences with either helping people purchase or go through a pre approval and share or impart some of that knowledge onto you so you can learn from other people's mistakes. So, today is just in general about pre approval basics, you know, and a lot of people are intimidated by the pre approval process. A lot of people avoid it until they absolutely have to. And I think it's always a good thing to have someone, for free by the way, let me say that again, for free, digging through and assessing every area of your finances with a fine tooth comb. There are benefits to that because you discover things that you may not know otherwise, and you can deal with those things before they get ugly. Case in point, and this is the motivation for this conversation. Once upon a time, I was doing a pre-approval for a husband and a wife. I ran credit. When I ran credit, I noticed that the wife had a, um, a timeshare that was showing delinquent. It was a 30-day late on the timeshare. So I call her up. I let her know you have a delinquency in the timeshare showing up. What's going on there? Interesting thing. So, her previous husband was awarded the timeshare, I guess, in the divorce, and he was supposed to be keeping up on payments. Oh, wow. Well, he didn't. He let the payment lapse. And by the way, when she went to contact him to let him know this, guess where he was? At You're not going to guess. Here. No. Oh, okay. He was in China.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. 11, 11. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so just imagine, and I'm just going to tell you, a 30-day late on your credit is bad, right? But it's not the worst thing. Just imagine if she had not gone through that pre-approval process. And her husband not realizing that the timeshare payment was due or he missed the payment. Imagine 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. And that easily could have happened. So the basics of the pre-approval process, we're looking at your credit, your assets, and your income. And we're assessing how those things, uh, we're assessing the validity of those particular areas when looking at lending guidelines. In order to do that, we're collecting documents. We're running credit. We're examining all of these documents. Then once we do that, we can complete your pre-approval. Now I will also say this, the pre-approval is the dress rehearsal for being an escrow because this is the point in time which we wanna find all problem areas and we want to take care of those problems, solve those problems before you get into escrow. Trying to deal with these issues once you're in escrow is like trying to change the tire on the car while you're still on the track driving. And I've seen it a number of times when I get a client that calls me last minute, Wes, we saw this property. We want to put an offer in on it. You know, can we get a pre-approval really quick? <laughs> you know, or in cases where I come in after a loan officer who's not as good as I am, and <laughs> we find those problems. So Remember, if you want to enjoy your escrow process, your home buying process, as much as you can, you want to be discovering these these things before you get an escrow, because afterwards you have commitments, you have responsibilities, you are accountable to other people, as we talked about in our previous conversation about working as a team, and it gets really stressful at that point. And I'm going to tell you this, most people don't want to deal with the pre-approval part because they're scared about what they're going to find out. And we all know that as long as you don't go to the doctor, you can't get sick.
0: <laughs>
1: right? right. No, you want to go to the doctor so that if you are sick, you know, they can take care of it before it progresses into something serious, you know? So same thing with your finances. So, When it comes to the pre-approval process, I tell people you should get it done as early as possible, even if you think you're not going to buy a home for the next year, two years, whatever, because it's it's never a bad time to get information, valuable information. And the sooner you get it, the better. So I'll leave you with this. I describe it like a diet. A year from now you're gonna wish you started today. I like that. I like that. I like
0: that. Absolutely. I mean, doesn't it doesn't cost you anything to know where you where you sit financially. You know, and the sooner that you know that, the sooner you can correct it. And as soon as you know it, the sooner you can be in a better position where you are ready. So yeah, I love it, man. Everything you hit Pretty spot on, good sir. Pretty spot on. All right, now we move on to in the news. Yeah. Yes. So okay. The Olympics. Yes. USA. We came, we saw, and we conquered. Woo! USA, 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 yeah! All right,
1: <laughs> Okay, so the United States finished number one in the overall medal category. So we finished with 113 medals, with China bringing up the uh, coming in second with 88. And then the host company, Japan, coming in third with 58. Now, the gold medal finishes, because we were we were down in the gold medals the entire time in China. But we brought it through at the end. We finished with the most amount of gold medals, 39 altogether. We outpaced China by one. And third place was, again, the host nation with 27 gold medals. So pretty good uh congratulations to the women's u.s women's basketball team i think they won the they tied the streak for the longest uh the most consecutive gold medal wins so congratulations to them and you know of course the interesting one was the men's basketball team some of you might remember early on they lost a couple playing games um or exhibition games and everybody was panicking and oh the world's caught up and What are we doing? We're going to lose. and I can't believe this. Guys, guys, did y'all hear what Kevin Durant said after the game was over? Nobody caught up. Please. Real talk, we didn't even send like our dream team. That was not our dream team, guys. We had guys who were just getting back from playing in the NBA finals. Right. We had three of them. You know, you had uh, Devin Booker, who was in the NBA finals. He wasn't there at first. You had Chris Middleton, who was in the NBA Finals. He wasn't there at first. And I believe there was one other player uh, from the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't quite remember who it is at this point, but he was just getting back as well. And, yeah, I mean, no Anthony Davis, no LeBron James, no Steph Curry, no Kawhi Leonard. Like, come on, y'all. Come on, man. Really? Really?
0: Yeah. I mean, we did have a couple uh top, top seven players, you know, maybe
1: yeah. No, we absolutely did. We absolutely did. But but like, means, you know, yeah,
0: we didn't need all the stars
1: to get No, no, no. We didn't need all the stars. Mm-hmm. We didn't need all the stars. No. <laughs> We're, we we good, y'all. We good, y'all. Don't worry about it. We good. <laughs> yeah okay moving on nba free agency so there are a lot of crazy moves last time we talked to you guys the lakers had secured mr westbrook happy to have him there have been a few other key moves that were made since then so number one laker fans you know we lost andre drummond he went to the 76ers we also lost dennis Schroeder. um to the Boston Celtics and he will be the topic of our hot topic next week. Make sure you come back for that one. Cause I'm going to get deep on that one. Oh, man. I'm going to get real deep on that one.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it,
1: what? Yeah. Uh, in addition, the Lakers picked up Kendrick Nunn, really good guard for the Miami heat. Some of you guys might've remembered him just dropping threes on us like nobody's business in the NBA finals last year. So glad we picked him up. And then Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, both went to Chicago. So that could be pretty interesting. They're now joining Zach Levine. And Kimball Walker left Boston to go to the Knicks, who were a playoff team last year for the first time in a long time. So that should be interesting as well.
0: Nice, man. Well, it definitely looks
1: like uh, the NBA season definitely teamed yeah. up. Yeah. And lastly, the NFL's around the corner. We got preseason football on now. You know, we got uh, we got the uh, documentary show starring my Dallas Cowboys on HBO, Hard Knocks. That's right. Make sure you catch it. And we had the Hall of Fame game. Uh, I think it was like maybe a week ago. And uh, the notable people who are being enshrined in the Hall of Fame, there's eight people all together. I feel really old when I'm reading this list. Because I'm like, man, these are the people I grew up watching. They're in the Hall of Fame now. So you got uh, Peyton Manning, Charles oh, wow. Woodson, John Lynch, Calvin Johnson, Megatron. I Megatron. That. Yeah. I remember, wow. Man,
0: I remember the game like, like it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah.
1: He's responsible for changing the catch rule. I'll never forget that play. And John Lynch, man, yeah. Wow. Wow. He was playing last time Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl. That was like way back in like 2006 or 2007. Mm -hmm. And of course, now he's the GM for the uh, San Francisco 49ers.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. We're getting old, man.
0: We're like fine wine, man. Get better by age.
1: That's right. (laughs) Hey, that's a true statement, people. That's a true
0: statement. Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for episode 15 of Real Talk with Coach in and... Broker West. All right, guys. Until next time, we'll see you on the next episode, 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 episode.